Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. God is good, huh? I need you to turn some fans on here because either it's hot in here or it's the fire of the Holy Ghost. I, I don't know. I'm burning up up here. Y'all think it's hot down here. Just try getting raised up a little bit. Here. Like, my God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I will not be before you long this morning, I promise. Most pastors say that, right? Praise the Lord, but I mean it. My, my father-in-law laughing at me like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, I know you, John. <laughs> God is good. I think he kind of already spoke to us where we're at, amen? And I, I love when God shows up and does that for us because it shows us that we do serve a real God. You know, he meets us where we're at. You know, I love, I love that because most people, and, and I'll just be honest, as a pastor, when we started out as a church, you want to go to people that have been where you've been. You know, somebody that's already walked down that trail, and, and literally these are pastors up here, but in order to meet with some pastors, you got to come where they're at to meet with them. Okay, let me help you out. Maybe you're a business owner and you're trying to do something good. How many of you are able to go talk with Bill Gates? You think Bill Gates is going to fly out to come to your house and visit you and give you all the information you need to have a successful business? Steve Jobs can't help you. He's dead. I'm about to start preaching. I can feel it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Steve Jobs is dead. He can't come back and tell you. But there's a man that was successful in all his business, and he died, and he came back again, and his name is Jesus. And he's available. He isn't just in the heavenlies. He'll come and speak to you and give you everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. Come on, you guys. My God. I love God so much that he meets me where I'm at. I don't have to make myself all prim and proper to get a a meeting with him. God met me when I was a wretched sinner. I just made myself available. You guys understand, in a way, I did come to him, but I didn't have to go to a church. I didn't have to go to a priest. All I did was get on my knees and say, God, here I am. I'm a wretched man. I can't live like this anymore. I need you. I want to be successful according to your standards. And God met me, and he blessed me, and here I am today. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. um, So... You guys, let's get in the Word. I promise you, like I said, I'm just trying to kill time because this, this message is about 10 minutes long. <laughs> about 10 minutes, okay? And I'm on video, so I want to make it just a little bit longer. But people are like, man, if I can just get to church and do a 10-minute sermon, get some Jesus, go home, eat, I'm coming back to that church. <laughs> man, you know pastors just like to talk. Okay, no, yeah, I didn't know to see if anybody's going to say amen. Yeah, you're going to say it. 
disloyal. <laughs> Listen, if y'all missed Tuesday, praise God, Tuesday night's Bible study, you missed a good one. Si te perdiste el estudio bíblico el martes por la noche, te perdiste algo bueno, fantástico, fuego. Woo! Yes. Donald preached a message, and it was titled Game Changer. Cambiador de juego. Juego, not fuego. There was a statement that Donald made, and it stuck with me, and I'm going to elaborate on that a little bit today. Uh, Quiero compiter algo de dijo. Donald said, and I paraphrase, el dio y parafrasio, en el juego de la vida. No seas un arbitro, convertirte en un entrenador. What I said was, in the game of life, don't be a referee, but instead be a coach. The problem with the church today is we have way too many referees and not enough coaches. Anybody watch sports? Yes. Name one, okay, name one referee in sports. You know why you don't know the names? Because nobody likes a referee. I, ain't, I don't see nobody in here walking around with a referee's jersey on like, this is my favorite referee. So just think, if you're walking around being a referee, ain't nobody like you either. In nuestra búsqueda por el discipulado, tenemos que dejar de ser arbitros. In our pursuit for discipleship, we got to stop being referees, y'all. We got to stop. God's called us to be disciples. God's called us to make disciples. But we're not making any disciples if we just call in fouls all the time. Yes. There were some men in the Bible that were these spiritual referees. Había hombres en la Biblia a los que las gustaba ser arbitros espirituales. They were called, uh, well, let me say this in Spanish, so my Spanish people in the house. Pereseos, Sadduceos, y Escribas. And a maestros de la ley. These Pharisees, Sadducees, and these Sadducees and Pharisees and scribes were all masters of the law of Moses. And these guys were the referees in those days. The only thing they were good for was pointing at you when you did something wrong. Not only that, watch this, they weren't only pointing out what you did wrong, but they were the ones that actually issued the penalties for your foul. So if you did wrong, they were able to stone you. If you did wrong, they were able to cast judgment down and beat you, kind of like a referee. If you, if you jump across the line, you blow the whistle. Ten yards. And it's funny because the team you're playing against seems to get the advantage because the referee sometimes seems to be on the other team. Sometimes. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I watch football. But I need you to understand something. 
Jesus couldn't stand referees. He couldn't stand the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. He went on for a full chapter in the Bible and talked about how crooked they were. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus listed seven different woes. Like, whoa. Seven different woes. He said, woe to you scribes and you Pharisees, you den of vipers. He went on to talk about how they would not receive the kingdom of heaven, even though they looked holy, even though people were following them, even though they had some authority and some pull, Jesus said, no, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven because you look like you're righteous, but your heart is far from me. Now, as a side note, can you guys help me out here? Don't you hate to be around people that only can point out how wrong you are? Huh? You know, some of y'all shaking your head because some of y'all actually sitting still because you're like, I'm sitting next to him. <laughs> some of us are married to him. Dang it. Some of us work for him. Matter of fact, the worst thing, uh, some of us are those people. We're great at telling people how wrong they're doing, but never tell them how right they are. We just love to point out people's issues. Come on, somebody. I'm I'm sitting here because I want to talk to you today, not about your neighbor. I'm going to talk to you about you. Yeah, look at your neighbor and say, he talking to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know most of y'all didn't say it because he ain't talking to me. That pastor up there ain't preaching right. <laughs> Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Now listen, football season is over. At least the NFL. I know they started this new league, but right now I want you guys to understand that what I'm going to talk about, just real briefly, real quick, I want you to think of basketball. Anybody like basketball? Y'all like basketball? It's a crossover time, Steph Curry. Y'all know Steph Curry saved, right? Every time he puts this up, you know what, you know what he's saying, right? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Yeah, okay, you guys ain't saved. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4. Remember this. Watch, watch this. Watch this. What is, it called, what is it called in basketball when somebody does something illegal? What do they call it? Foul. It's a foul? Ephesians chapter 29. Don't use foul. Don't use foul. Foul. Blocking. That's, that was it. You ever see? <laughs> Number 32. Two points. Yeah. Y'all don't watch basketball, obviously. They do it. it. Once is enough. I had coffee. Okay, so it's a foul. So the scripture says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know, so many times we think that foul language is that nasty little four-letter words that nobody in here uses, but people around us at work 
you know? Those people. They use them four-letter words. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about foul language. I want you to think of foul language as calling foul every time somebody does wrong. So many of us are walking around with these stripes on waiting for somebody to do wrong because we can't wait to call a penalty. Foul! You're wrong. Let me give you the penalty. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Foul. So what I want to do is compare what a referee looks like. These are what referees do in, in the natural, and then I'm going to tell you what spiritual referees do. Can, can, can we do that real quick? I got, okay, I got, how many minutes? I said it was 10? 10 minutes? I got 10 minutes from here? Okay, great. <laughs> a referee's job is only to call penalties. That's his job. All he does is call penalties. He isn't there for anything else but to make sure he's just like, okay, I'm watching. You know refs, that's what they look for? They sit there and they're running down the court and they're looking to see if you double dribble. They're looking to see if you travel. They're looking to see if you, if you whatever. That's all they're doing. They're looking to blow the whistle. That's all their job is. It is nothing else. And we have people like that in church. When it comes to discipleship and you being a teacher and you teaching people things of God, it isn't about you looking at them and telling them everything wrong that they do. You're not to look at them and just wait for them to do something wrong go, up, oh, foul. You just double dribble. Turn over. That's not what we're to do. God's called us to do other things. You know what else a referee does? A referee will blow the whistle every time you do something wrong. My God. Can I talk about tailbearers? See, ref, you know, when you blow a whistle, it brings attention. I don't need nobody pointing out my mistakes, let alone to me, but to everybody else. Come on, you guys. There's so many times that you've done something wrong. You're already embarrassed enough. But I don't need nobody drawing attention to me. Now, now I, I, don't, I don't like being wrong, and nobody likes being wrong, but you don't have to yell it, blow the whistle, let everybody know in the stadium. That's one thing, my God. Can I just share something about church? You know, that when a prophetic word or a word, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge comes forth, and, and it's something that's really sensitive, God's not a, an exposer like that. God would look and say, you, you're a sinner, and God says, repent now, or you will experience hell for eternity. No, that's not God. God calls us to cover. He'll cover you. He's our covering. You know what God will do? God will send somebody over to you and be like, hey, listen. God sees what you're doing. He knows what you're doing. He's saying, repent, for the kingdom of the Lord is at hand. He whispered to you, and you'll be, and a lot of times he'll tell you your business. He'll read your mail, and you don't have to expose him, but if I tell you quietly, it's going to affect you a whole lot more. You'll receive it more than being embarrassed. Now that you're called out, you're never going to learn from it. You got people right now to hate church because of that, especially in our Pentecostal churches. Amen. Now, referees don't only point out your problem, but they like to stop the whole game. Okay, let me just jump in football real quick. I hate instant replay. Don't we do that to each other? 
It's like, I'm going to tell you what you did wrong, and not only that, we're going to instant replay it. We're going to talk about it over and over and over again. It was three days ago I did something wrong. Why you keep running the instant replay? I know it was a foul, and so does everybody else in the stadium. And that's what we do, saints. We sit down, and we want to keep replaying people's uh, fouls to them over and over again. They're not learning from it when you keep saying it over and over again. No wonder people look at you and go, okay. They just don't listen. It's not that they don't listen. They're just tired of hearing it. Listen, referees aren't there to help you. They're only interested in how the game is played. They want to make sure that nobody's calling any penalties. They're not interested in you. They're interested in the game. And that's how it is with church and a lot of leaders sometimes. A lot of leaders are interested in the game. They're interested in church as a whole, but not in the people. So if they're not interested in the people and they think, oh, we're going to build this church, but they don't build the people, you're not building the church because we are the church. So if I build the people, if I'm concerned with the people, then guess what? Then the church will grow. But referees aren't concerned with people. You don't see referees sitting down afterwards having dinner with players. They don't care about you. They care about the game. Your boss, there's some bosses that you guys have that you work for. They don't care about you individually. They care about the work getting done. Some of y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You'd be sick. There's something going on at home. And, you, and why should you feel bad to have to leave your job to go take care of your child or take care of some emergency because your boss is like, you're like hey, um, uh, my son fell at school and he, he's on his way to the hospital. And your boss is like, well, um, just hold on for a few minutes while I call somebody to take your place. He don't care about you. He's a ref. But a boss, when you come, boss, my son, and before you even start, don't worry about it. Go ahead and go. We'll take care of it. Just go. Don't even worry about punching out. We'll do it later. But I got it. Don't worry about it. Go home and tend to your house. See, that's what we ought to, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But that's referees. They don't care. Referees don't even care if you win or lose a game. They don't even care if you excel in life. They just don't. I, I've never seen a referee even care. I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> Kai and I were we, were, we went out somewhere. I was watching my son, JR, a football game. And <laughs> I wish I could tell this whole story. We don't have time. Anyway. Game was down, final minutes was like three seconds left on the clock, maybe two, and the other team had the ball, and they were going to kick the field goal to win. So they kicked the field goal, and we looked, and it was wide right. We were yelling and celebrating, and one ref did like this, and the other ref did like that, and then the ref that saw the other guy doing this, he went, watch this though, watch this. As soon as they did that, they took off running. They didn't care. They didn't care what it was going to do to the players. Their indecisiveness. He didn't care. And that's a lot of us in church. We don't care. See, there's unity that has to be played. And there's unity should never, uh, the unity that people have, like leaders have, should never affect people in a negative way. Watch this. Me as a leader, if another leader's wrong, I'm not going to support that leader just to make it look like we're in unity. 
I'm going to make sure they know they were wrong. And I'm going to make sure that they say that they were wrong in the situation. Because leadership should never uh, trump the unity in the church. You guys hear me? But referees don't care. They're like, I gotta, we got to be unified just for unity's sake. Wrong or right. It was touchdown. Yeah, field goal. I'm still mad about it, probably. We drove a long way for that game. Help us, Lord. Now, coach, on the other hand, let's talk about coaches. I'm done with referees. I'm going to talk about what we need to be, not what we don't need to be. Amen. Come on. So coaches, on the other hand, coaches are a perfect picture of what true discipleship should look like. Amen. Amen. So a coach is an investor of time in his players. Whether you are starting or you are playing a support role. I need you guys to hear this. Whether you're a starter or a star on the team or you're a support player. Listen, a coach will invest his time. As disciple makers, as being discipled, you can't do no distance learning when it comes to discipleship. It works great for college but not for discipleship. Jesus showed us what it was like to spend time with people. He spent time with everybody. Matter of fact, you look at the Gospels, the Gospels. How many Gospels are there? Four Gospels? Yeah, I counted Acts. Okay, Matthew, Mark, John, Luke. Matthew, Mark, but watch this. How many apostles are, are, are in those books? How many apostles? There's only three apostles that wrote the Gospels. Three, three, right? How many apostles were there? Twelve. You guys getting where I'm getting? You guys see where I'm getting? These are apostles. Not all the apostles got to write a book in the Bible. Some of them were playing supporting roles, but yet they were still apostles. They were still important. Jesus still poured into them. Jesus still spent time with them. I I want to share something with you. Me being in the military, I was in the military, I was in the army. You have support. And then you have people that go out and do all the fighting, okay? So there's guys that go out and they get shot at and they get shot and they get blown up. And there's people that never will ever deploy, never, ever see the battlefield, never go down range. And then we get out of the military. And I was working at the VA. And I always hear these guys that play the support role start lying. Yeah, I was the Special Forces, SF, Ranger, uh, Tin Mountain. Uh, I was deployed everywhere, part of, you know, first specialist group. And all these guys always doing all this lying. And you're like, dude, why are you lying? <laughs> you weren't part of third group. You, you, you weren't even deployed. As a matter of fact, I can look at your DD-214. You, you, you weren't anything. But watch this. We... <laughs> <laughs> huh? <laughs> you weren't anything. You, you weren't none of that. Sorry. You don't have to lie about it because of this. Do you realize the guys that go down range, the guys that are battling, the guys that are fighting, couldn't do their fighting without their support? Okay, I'm Army. I'm talking about military. Let me tell you, listen, we spend so much time on our faces in the morning, but we don't realize you could live without your nose. You could live without your lips. You could live without your jaw. I've seen it. I've, I've worked on people like that. They don't have body parts, don't have eyes, don't have ears. You could live without those parts. But let me take your kidneys from you. Tell me what kidney you've ever seen in your body. 
You, can't, you don't see it, but you can't live without it. You can't live without your heart. You can't live without your lungs. See, that's why the Bible tells us it's on those parts, those most uncommonly parts, that we bestow more honor on them because without them we can't live. See, we need to understand that no matter what role I play, whether I'm the pastor or whether I'm in the children's ministry, it doesn't matter. I still matter. I still count. And I should not be ashamed of where I serve in the kingdom of God. Everybody deserves a coach and somebody to spend time with them. There's people in here right now that are like, well, pastor, you know, I really don't do much around here, so I really don't deserve for somebody like you or anybody else to come. No, that's not the case. All of you matter. Everybody counts. There's no big eyes here or little U's. Amen. So coaches are the ones that will spend and invest time. Jesus invested his time. Three years of his life, eating, sleeping, breathing, and putting up. <sighs> Last week we talked about investing time, about sharing time. And do you know, I'm just going to just drop this one here. When you spend time with people, you get to know them. He's like, I liked you better before we started spending time. <laughs> How do you think Jesus felt? I'm going to tell you how he felt. You know what he said? How long must I suffer with you? That is a picture. Even Jesus got tired of the people he was hanging out with. So if Jesus got tired, guess what? We're going to get tired too. But he showed fruits of the Spirit, long-suffering, patience, kindness, meekness, temperance, love, joy. Come on. Also, coaches... Focus on your strengths and not your weaknesses. Come on. That's the best thing right there. A great coach doesn't worry about your weaknesses. He'll focus on your strength because when he focuses on your strength, it will compensate for your weaknesses. If I make your strengths even greater, your weaknesses will rise with those strengths. And then before you know it, you'll be super strong in one area and you're not weak in another area. You're just not as strong. Do you see the difference? See, there's a difference when I speak also because I don't want to look at you because right now, you, all you guys are strong in the Lord. You have no weaknesses. What do you mean, Pastor? No, you just have some areas you're not as strong. Y'all didn't even receive that. I'm, ooh, take that. I received that, Jesus. I am not weak. I'm strong in the Lord in the power of his might. I, I got strength everywhere in every area of my life. Coaches inspire players to be their best. They inspire them, not motivate them. What you mean? In the same thing? No, motivation is I got to motivate myself to get up and go work out sometimes. Basically, I only need motivation when I want to do something I don't, I mean, to do something I don't want to do, right? Like, you got to motivate yourself to get up and go to work. Amen, Pastor. Hallelujah. Some of y'all had to motivate yourself to get up and come to church this morning. It's okay. It's fine. You made it. But a great coach will inspire you. The, the word inspiration is that there's something already in you, and you want to do it. It's like, I can't wait for church tomorrow. I, that's how I felt last night. I cannot wait to get around the saints. Man, tomorrow can't come fast enough. And see, great coaches will help you find that what God put in you so that you can start having that desire to be around that which God has placed in you. Coaches will bring that out of you. Amen. 
See, when coaches aren't with, you, with their players, they're coming up with ways to strengthen a player. They come up with ways. And I like to put it like this. Spiritual coaches, when they're around their players, they're always encouraging them. But when they're not with their players, they're sitting down coming up with strategies and ways to improve their players. And they do that by reading other books, by making themselves better, but they also pray for their players. Spiritual coaches will sit down and pray for people. Like, you know, there's people that God has given to me that I'm mentoring, that I'm coaching, that I'm discipling. You see all these words? The world will use coaches. They stole it from us. They just put a different name on it. We disciple people, and what God's given some people for me to disciple, and I don't just disciple them when I see them. I pray for them when I'm not with them. I try to make myself a better coach, a better disciple myself, so that I could be a better coach to them. Amen. As I close, hallelujah. (laughs) Coaches are disciple makers. Coaches are the ones that realize what they speak matters the most. They can either build up or they can tear down. This is why coaches and disciples will always speak life over you and death to the lies that you're living. Do you hear me? Listen, if I say something negative, I'm not going to say something negative to you. I'm going to say something negative to what you're, the way you're living or the way you're feeling. Like when somebody says, man, I'm not nothing. I was like, you got to stop feeling that way. You can't believe that lie. That ain't nothing but a lie from the enemy. You are an overcomer in Christ Jesus. See, I'm going to speak to the lie and I'm going to curse the lie, but I'm always going to pour into you truth. And that's what a good coach does. That's what a great disciple does. Coaches always will season their speech with salt so that you could bear it. Sometimes we need to be chastised. But a good coach, a good disciple, a good parent, a good boss will learn how to speak to people and season their speech with salt so that we could take it. Me, personally, there's some food that I can't eat unless there's some Lowry's on it. You guys know what Lowry's is? Seasoned salt? Salt bay? I can't eat it without salt on it. I can't eat it without seasoning. And that's what God said. When you serve your words to people, make sure that they're seasoned so that when people receive it, that they're able to receive it with joy. They're able to bear it. Good coaches will do that. That's according to Colossians chapter 4 and 6. Coaches know a soft answer will turn away wrath or anger. There's a lot of times that people and people you're discipling will come and they're mad at you. They're upset about something. How many people have have been driving down the road and get cut off by somebody? Or you accidentally cut somebody off and they're yelling at you. That ever happen to you? You ever take somebody's parking spot by accident? How about you been in Walmart and somebody bumps into you and they think it's your fault? You guys been to Walmart? Hate Walmart. Okay. No, watch this. Somebody starts yelling at you. The Bible's so true. Being a good coach, instead of getting pulled into somebody else's anger, a soft answer will turn away wrath. You don't even have to be at fault, but it's okay. So I want you to watch where you're going. You was in my way. You know. You know what? I'm totally sorry. I apologize. I didn't even see you standing there. I hope you can forgive me. And it's funny to watch people deflate. You ever see that? 
you watch it next time. <laughs> you see, get all puffed up. Coaches know that words can bring healing. You, got, you guys, watch this. Do you guys know as coaches, just, just to go up to somebody sometime and just say something nice to them. You don't know what people have been hearing all day. You go up to somebody, you know, please, this is, I got to say this with the balance. And my wife's been trying to coach me. (laughs) I'm being careful because a lot of women in our society today don't get compliments unless a man wants something from them. So, you know, a lot of times you compliment a young lady, they automatically think, oh, he likes me. But, you know, sometimes you see somebody, and and I, I do it all the time, and now I learn how to do it a different way. I compliment people. I'll be at the store and, you know, somebody's standing there and I know you can tell when somebody has done extra that day. You know, like they put their hair a little, a little different eye makeup on. I'll say stuff like, man, your makeup looks really pretty. You look nice today. And see, because of their self-confidence has been broken and they're trying to build their self-confidence up by hiding behind a mask and makeup, and you tell them how pretty they look, it brings healing to their self-confidence. And you look really nice today. Hey, pastor, that word you preached today was fire. (laughs) Brings healing. Fuego. Fuego. I got to tell you guys. We also know as coaches that harsh words can break somebody's spirit. Saints of God, we are breaking, and I'm just telling us as parents, we need to be careful about how we're, we're parenting our children. My kids, trust me, from the oldest all the way down to the youngest, I'm still their father. I have grown children. I have young children. And I have to remember that even when they do something that I should be able to, watch this, tell them that they're wrong, but also talk about how right they were doing. I I don't sit down and tell, man, you shouldn't do that all the time. Why are you doing that, man? Don't you ever listen? No, it's like, hey, son, I know you're really trying really hard and I recognize what you're doing. But, you know, as you're becoming a young man, young men take care of their rooms. So, listen, this is what you do, son. I saw how you tried to make your bed. You got to do this and take time. You did real good this time. Next time, I want you to do better. See? Encouraging. Bringing something out. Now they want to do it because I'm, I'm adding to Listen, this is what young men do. I want to be a young man. See, that's how. This is what young ladies do, honey. If a young man compliments you, you look at him and you say, I know, and keep going. No, I'm just, I'm just keep stepping. Where's heaven at? Yeah. My daddy told me how good I look. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Coaches know that blessings and curses should not come out of the same mouth. That's James chapter 3, verse 10. You know, I don't understand that the same lips that will bless somebody shouldn't be the same lips that curse somebody. I would rather that I would speak life. Because good coaches know that life and death are in the power of my tongue. So I am going to speak life into every situation. And God has chastised me this week. Because sometimes there's things in your life that overwhelm you and you begin to speak nothing but negative things, nothing but death. But when God chastised me and I was like, man, God, why are you chastising me? You guys know what chastising is, right? It's a spanking. 
spiritual spanking. God's just, man. But I started thinking of the word, and he says, God chastises those whom he loves. And because he loves me, he wanted to correct me, and he corrected me through this voice of the Holy Spirit that sounded just like my wife. It was, it was amazing. It was so amazing. I was like, God, you sound like my wife. And she said, stop being negative. It's like everything. What's going on with you? Everything you see, you hear, you do, you have something negative to say. And when people hear you say it, you're not bringing healing. You're not bringing life. And I'm one that's hearing you say this, so I'm affected by what you're saying. So I repented. I said, God, thank you, because I'm going to be a good disciple, and I'm going to make good disciples, first of my family, and I'm going to speak nothing but life. True disciple makers will choose to speak life to keep people in the ship. It's like a cruise. How many people like cruises? Ain't nothing but God. Coaches value discipleship. Discipleship requires real, relevant relationships. It, re- it requires a friendship and a companionship in discipleship. When this happens, people will take ownership. You seen Sean? When Sean said, this is our vision, he took ownership. And guess what? Ownership led him to leadership. Come on, you guys. And when everyone is leading someone else, when everyone is leading someone else, the coaches, the team, and the owner wins the championship. It's getting in the ship. We all need to get in the ship. So as I bring this to a close, I'm going to say this, and then we'll, we'll get up and we'll pray. 99% of coaches in any game were once players of that game. 99% of them. Referees, they were just admirers of the game. They were just people that liked the game, but they never played. That's why it's so easy for them to point out mistakes. Sheep begat sheep. Sheep make other sheep. You have to be a disciple to make disciples. And disciples are coaches. And coaches choose to speak life. Amen? Amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.